The stuttering dystopian nightmare of La Jetée, the imagistic fantasies of Un Chien Andalou, the mechanical menagerie of Man Ray's ballet mechanique, black and white, the early days. In the long flickering history of film, the short, however we define it, as something less than a feature and more than a photograph, has always been there, at the bleeding edge of cinematic experimentation. A razor blade slitting an eye, a woman collapsing into her mirrored double. The short has an almost magnetic hold over the gyrations and dreams of cinema, a place for play, somewhere to try things out, film's changing room. How many items, please? Speaking of the power of Chekhov's short stories, the American writer Raymond Carver spoke favorably of the way in which well-crafted capsule narratives have this, you know, incredible ability to, and I quote, stage a revelation and in the same moment open a field of greater mystery. Revelation and mystery, very good. We could easily say the same thing of the short film, a thing which creates an entire faceted world before collapsing it again very quickly. Unlike the feature film, 90 minutes, two hours, three hours, it doesn't need a warm-up. It doesn't have the space to really explain itself. Curious little things. And so, in honor of the short, we decided to do something a little bit different this week. This is still MoobTube, the podcast for dropouts, himbos, and show-offs. But this time, we're doing an omnibus, and we're taking a glance at six or seven short films that are currently available on Mubi, all selected by the great, I should say curated actually, shouldn't I? All curated by the great, programmed, yeah, all programmed by the great immeasurable Ralph Pritchard, (laughs) who's sitting several miles away from my currently undisclosed location. Um, So Ralph, who wears short shorts? (laughs) We wear short shorts Uh, this week only, because I think generally we are quite um, skeptical about short films. I said we in a sort of Genesis Peerage way. I I am. <laughs> I find the royal, the unroyal we. Yeah. I find short <laughs> films. Of course, when you start making films, short films are the only films you can make. Uh, yes. Because feature films are costly and spenny. Yeah. Um, require a huge level of commitment. Um, can be done, but yeah, it's um, short film is also a te- way to test ground, a proof of concept. But often a proof of concept mm. is kind of misleading because the structure of a short film is so radically different from a feature film Mm. that it's like the whole form and content relationship becomes disrupted so i don't Mm. think any of these short films we that you described in your intro when you you alluded to many um very like very great very great legendary short films and, and indeed these short films we watched here are would take on a completely different form I don't yeah. think they prove well, think like that, good feature film direction. They prove good short film. No, direction. they don't. I think it's a different. It's a different Where they energy. Prove good though, direction I think, at all. Whether I mean that's true. I mean because the, the short is in some weird ways, you know, historically, like I said, very dominant. It's very highly influential. Um, I mean, if we recall cinema, 
has its roots, again, because of cost and commitment in the short film. The very first films, by definition, were short films, you know. Um, length and the feature is something we've slowly developed, whereas the short was kind of, you know, if you think about the Lumiere brothers, man, men demolishing a wall, a snowball fight. These things are like mm. less than a minute long. Um, and over time, you know, even as budgets increased, the short film kind of had this this pull, right? And even even longer films that were experimental kind of played with the the ideas of short films, like Stan Brackage, for example. You know, in in a way, can treated as short films because you might just watch a little bit of it. For example, you can do a little bit of Brackage, um, and he also did short films, but he he did longer concepts as well. Yeah. And so yeah, historically, you've got this thing where the short film is very dominant and really super influ- influential, right? Maya Duran, uh, you know, Chris Marker, La Jete, whatever. Um, even though it's kind of like it exists in like this parallel universe to feature films, like feature films are one thing and shorts have their own award categories. And um, yeah, it's what students do and graduates maybe. And, you know, the aim is that like eventually you can, you can graduate to make feature films. Um, so they occupy this weirdly influential space, but also this transitory space where it's like, well, you don't want to make, you're not going to make your name by making short films kind of thing. Yeah. Very few I mean, people you- have like favorite short films. And I think very mm. few people make short films in this, in the hope that they will be like legendary short films. They just hope that that will yeah. be a proof of concept and proof of talent. It's a whole different format and you learn a lot more making like mm. a feature length project just because you learn about when you rewatch what you've done when you take that step back it's literally like over an hour of your life to like mm. to collect it all in your brain um yeah but yeah, yeah. um which short film should we start with because we, re- we reviewed about five fuck it let's talk about the good one while we've got energy let's talk about which i think we can both agree is the wind by marcel ivani yeah 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 okay good i'm glad we're on the same page it's one of the favorite films we've seen on this podcast personally yeah this is a um six minute film um six and a half minute film from 1996 although it it could if you didn't know the year you could easily mistake it for 1936 or 1956 whatever um it's a single take um that kind of holy grail because people love to talk about formally you know a single take as being this kind of Herculean thing, but here it's doing it in six minutes, so it shouldn't necessarily be that hard. But this one take does an incredible panoramic 360 sweep, going from a, a scene with three women, three old women, and it does a big 360 panorama through this Hungarian landscape, very silvery, very grey, very um, very flat and curious. Uh, and then it reveals a scene um, which is what these women are looking at before the camera kind of settles back on these three women. So tell me about that scene. Tell me how you felt about that. Tell me how, yeah, what kind of feelings you had while you were like taking in this big swoop. I was very moved by it. I guess another element to add is that the soundtrack is almost entirely, just as the title suggests, wind. A, a kind Silent, of sound, yeah. a blow of wind. Yeah. And then towards the very end of the shot, you can hear someone quite faintly singing a sort of yeah, folk song. Yeah, you can. Um, yeah, I found it very beautiful. Tarkovsky wrote a book called Sculpting in Time, uh, where he makes mm. great emphasis on the the cinematic process being one of sculpting in time and that the unfolding of time 
within a frame being the the essential aspect of cinema and mm. i think this film perfectly takes that takes up that challenge um I can't yeah because it contains a lot of drama this is a very highly dramatic film with very limited means you know yeah no dialogue as well everything is shown nothing is told which is kind of perfect this is what I loved about it there is it it, like that Raymond Carver quote it kind of opens up these these this drama this dramatic uh, kind of micro world and leaves these mysteries it resolves some of them and leaves other mysteries because what the camera reveals on its swoop is um a group of men who are standing looking kind of stage right i guess you'd say and it reveals uh uh hooded men who have been hung on these poles and it's kind of weird like mini hanging ceremony and it kind of goes past and you you see a few you see one body on a pole and you see another and another and then you realize there's a man who's about to be hung and the only it is the dynamic action of the film this guy is a, a hood is put over his head a priest is facing him presumably giving him his last rites and then the guy kicks the stool out from under his feet and he he struggles for a bit and then the camera moves on and that's the drama because it it, it suddenly folds up you know this is what the women are looking at um, but leaves so many questions like the the shepherds who walk past who seem uninterested in the scene you know they're just kind of going about their work um, and it and it, there's so many questions about I mean what did you unpick about the relationship I, I mean I don't think I don't think you're supposed to resolve this film at all yeah there's a beautiful unresolved thing of course the the substance of it is essentially you see them looking in a mixture of like they're sort of very posed, very poised. Yeah, they're it's almost, poised. almost statue, I mean, of course, it's based on a photograph, which you then see yeah. at the end. Um, yeah. Three very well, well cast, the women. They look quite similar to their... their, mm, their yeah, really well cast. But, um, yeah, it's very... You know, you... It's an amazing act of imagination, and it plays with that thing that cinema... Because it's a 360, it plays with the frame. It yeah. plays with the fact that, um, you know, it's not like a VR experience. Uh, where you where you have access to the full 316, you just have to turn around. Press A to yeah. hang. <laughs> this um. this this film does. This film takes you, shows you um, what's going on in mm. in all all in due course. Um, yes, yeah. And I think that's very a very very important aspect of it. Uh, yeah, the horror of looking upon violence, and that, that mm. horror is kind of. It's really less is more. It's very Bresson in that in that there. The, the the less you see of their expression the more mm. you absorb as the audience what it must be to look upon that in their position um, yeah the other reference because yeah yeah the other on. reference point uh, while i'm referencing things is riff the rest. uh miklosh yankshul the hungarian director um also hungarian i mean i think it's something mm. in the water because he does very also Bellatar does similar Bellatar obviously I was about to say but I think say, like Yang Shou is more relevant because it, there's that the relationship to violence the way that a camera can sort of swoop past violence somewhat mm. indifferently but that indifference gives 
deeper space for the audience yeah, to the, feel the, the alienation of that dis- that, yeah. that that distance between what's happening and your pers- perspective because you absorb all of it but the one thing you don't absorb is the context and the immediate emotion of it and it's it you know it's got the same energy to it almost i think it's a more beautiful scene this other one i'm going to say but it's the beginning of Reckminster harmonies the the dancing planet scene in the beginning of Reckminster harmonies um by bellatar mm. Uh, in the bar where the the kind of guy the teacher who's in the bar kind of uh, takes all the old drunks and gets them to move in the direction of the planets and it's a very beautiful touching scene and you don't really have any context or understanding why it's happening but you're very moved by it Um, and here it's very similar because you're like well are these the men who are being hung are they have they I mean remember this is Eastern Europe have they uh, have they gone against the state? Are they rogues and rebels? You know, are they political enemies? Have they wronged this community in particular somehow? The women looking at them are they mothers, wives? Um, and you know, there's you know, are they? Uh, is this their revenge? Are they looking on stony and cold-hearted because they're getting revenge on these men who have wronged the community, or are they so unable to, so immured in violence that they? almost let it happen because you know people who have experienced massive traumas and upheavals might have become very accustomed to to pushing down their sadness um i think it's a really good like talking about bresson talking about focusing on like little details that um, when the 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 three women walk away back to the house the third woman kind of stumbles slightly very gently um uh, almost unnoticed actually she kind of loses her balance a bit it it really it's really interesting because real stumble and it's like well you know it might have been unscripted because her leg had gone a bit dead standing there (laughs) you know but it it kind of intimates that that might be a a kind of expression of her 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 trauma you know that she's seen this she's kind of lost her balance and i thought that was a really touching little uh thing that might even have been unplanned so yeah this this was a good film this is a really moving powerful film that shows you what you can do with like one shot um and really limited staging, you know, less is more. Have you ever seen anyone die? Have I ever seen anyone die? I've seen the aftermath of that, mm-hmm. um, but not seen someone die. No, I haven't. Um, yeah, I haven't either, but I just, you, I was, no. I just, it suddenly struck me when I was watching that, like the enormity of that witnessing process. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how they, yeah, they kind of, it, yeah it's almost like they're kind of clockwork figures in a way that are kind of going through these motions and that that's to like not to downplay how emotional this film is like yeah um so yeah this this was a really good film and it was really short every other film we watched is longer than this one yes well do you want to introduce the second one i don't don't i don't care which one just okay the second film that we watched is by matty diop who is a uh. actor and a director um, of yeah. Senegalese heritage she is the niece of the legendary Senegalese director of Tuki Buki and others Jibril um, Diop Mambetti but uh, mm. yeah she's she's been directing quite a few films recently including a feature length film called Atlantiques, Atlantiques, Atlantiques. which I believe was based mm. on a short film she made for movie maybe or that was on movie I believe so yeah I've seen Atlantique um, but yeah, I didn't realize the relationship until you just mentioned it. Now. You've seen the long Atlantic <laughs> or the short one, little, the, the little, little one, whatever yeah. the little film was that preceded it. Yes, I've seen right, yeah, um, yeah. which I I did really enjoy. She's this a film, however, she's a great actor. She's in Simon Killer and Thirty Five Rums, right? Like Claire Denis. Okay, 
Um, Claire Denis. Okay, we like we love Claire Denis. So she's very beautiful as well, Matty Diop. And the, very uh, the, beautiful. The, the, the thumbnail image for this thing is like her legs beside a fridge, which kind of, mm. which is a very classic, bit of, you know, movie. If you're listening, come on. Mm. <laughs> it, the, the thumbnail image <laughs> g- gives us the impression of, of a sort of like a sexy vibe. It, it definitely gives a sexy vibe, which the film doesn't really have. She's in high heels and a, and a pencil high skirt. Heels. And she's lit, lit up in blue. It's like Gaspar Noe energy, but with a more sort of like tinted Ackerman. Anyway, it's more banal, more banal than that. But anyway, the film is... I like the film. It was a good film. Oh, I hated it. I fucking hated <laughs> it. It's just absolutely pretentious shite. Like, I really dislike this film. It made me really, like, actively want to, like, like do in my fucking tv i there's something about this because it was a this was commissioned by miu miu um the fashion brand right and it, it shows the typical indirection that fashion brands have when they come to think oh we, we are cultural creators and we should marshal our forces and commission they commissioned 20 films by women directors which is a noble thing but the <laughs> argument is why and the the obligation is that some of Mimi's clothes would appear in the film which is why she's kind of got some Mimi heels on and you see the dresses for a bit and she kind of dances kind of sort of sex badly sexily and it's kind of to La Traviata right yeah because La Traviata her, her grandmother who whose voice appears in the film is was a lover of uh, opera I don't know if she said she was an opera singer or something there's just no context it's like it was made in lockdown to be fair and it's just oh, I live in Paris uh, my grandmother is interesting I'm not really that interesting but I've got nice legs um, <laughs> here, here here I am dancing in front of a little mirror here oh look my, my life is so interesting it's just like I think when you turn the camera towards yourself and assume that can just automatically stand in for significance and depth, it's just kind of misleading. I don't know. I really dislike this. I found it torturously boring to watch and just chaotic and badly shot. And I expected more from someone who'd made a film that I kind of liked quite a lot. Um, I'm sorry, I steamrolled that because I was just... No, so, it's great to hear such I found passion. I film so pretentious and just, ugh, come on, seriously. And it's just like... I don't know. It just went after seeing Wind and I watched it right after Wind and I was like, oh, right, yeah. I know you can't judge all filmmakers by other filmmakers and everyone has their personal journey, but I was just like, you can do a lot with very little. Um, and it just felt like Matty Diopper kind of phoned it in. This was the first film I watched um, mm. in the shorts and I had a, quite a generous appetite for it. And mm. um, I just found it like charming and yeah. some of the exche- recorded exchanges between her and her mother sort of were quite evocative. And the, um, yeah, but yeah, I, the sort of stuff, the emails with the Mew Mew, 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 people, I felt like she was trying to, she realized that the whole corporate element of the film's production was mm. a bit irritating. And, and she tried to, to ironize it. She wanted it a bit. to sort of put that in yeah. there to kind of, to not to avoid it being, you know, because some of these things, like when Mubi did that Valentina film, it was like so mm. cringe, cringely, obviously, like a corporate yeah. thing. So I know she's, tr- she's obviously aware of that and trying to kind of, negate it create some satirical distance yeah but, um, not even satirical just like I don't know a bit of self-reflexivity we all basically experienced you know lockdown as a, a, mm. a, an adjustment to our lives and I think probably in the moment of of being in that state especially in Paris where lockdown was quite strict um, mm. I can sympathise with the urge to make the- something of this nature yeah, I can I can sympathise with the lack of materials and and the kind of um, insularity of lockdown and the way it, it it kind of forces a kind of reflexivity which 
she's got here but it, it, I don't think that's how she was experiencing lockdown it felt like a very self-aware posturing um, uh, I just sit on my kitchen floor with my legs out you know no you, do, you don't know do you like it, it felt inauthentic because she was trying to be authentic in a very kind of inauthentic way and I just like I just didn't like it I didn't I don't know I've yeah it just struck me and I, I really just like the kind of final scene when she's like filming a fucking seagull out the window badly without any stabilizer on her camera and it's just like oh I get it now yeah like the, the bird is free but you're not cool thanks for that on the note subtle metaphor Matty Diop <laughs> done I don't feel the need well, to defend this film much yeah I'm sorry I feel really bad it's really interesting though that we've got had such a different reaction to it and maybe if I was in a different headspace I would have um that's another thing felt. with short films I wanted to say actually that mm. you, with a short film you tend to be more affected by the context in which you see it because mm. there's less time to really be immersed in that world so I think yeah you could yes. bit, with a bit more you can squeeze it in because I did it like oh I'm cooking dinner and I'm waiting for some like onions and shit to cook okay so next we've got Johan Johansson's uh, The End of Summer from 2014 which is 29 minutes which is a- so we, the wind was 7 minutes uh and in my room was 20 this is 29 this is 29 yeah so we're kind of creeping up the scales a little bit um yeah tell me tell me about um johansson's film um yeah it was a bunch of super 8 footage of antarctica johan johansson um currently deceased uh Mm. i believe um currently currently there are plans to, <laughs> to bring him back uh i mean i <laughs> yeah. think he killed himself so probably it's um, not very good to talk in this stuff. i didn't realize that i didn't realize that um but uh i wish you hadn't told me that oh really yeah carry on i don't think they know it's, it's toxicology reports indicate the lethal combination of cocaine and flu medication with yeah speedballs oh the classic um fassbender died yeah. that way right Fassbinder, yeah. Uh, anyway, he was a composer uh, from Iceland and he did uh, a lot of... He was really loved for his music. He did the music to... Um, Sicario. Yeah. Bunch, famously. A bunch of other things. <laughs> lunch of stuff. He's a very excellent composer. was a very excellent composer. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. Did he, did he do Chernobyl or was that someone else? No, that was someone else. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, this, fil- no, this film is a bunch of penguins. It's in Super 8. Yeah. Uh, you can really tell he's not a filmmaker. Um, yep. I found it super fucking boring. I sat on my phone yeah. for some of it. Um, I did as well. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, I was sh- it's just there because of the name brand recognition. There's no the way in hell this would be up here on Mubi without it no. being by a good composer. It's a Mubi exclusive. I think it's more because he's a composer. The music came first, I get the impression. This is more like a, we should more consider this. We're more generous to it if we consider it a music video. Um, a very elaborate music video in some senses because of the cost involved mm. not only in flying to Antarctica but shooting over a course of 20 days on Super 8 footage which is a very expensive way to go making a music video um, I suppose so Super 8 is quite cheap though isn't yeah. it I suppose he probably shot quite yeah, a lot yeah but I mean more like the cost of flying to Antarctica and staying there for 20 yeah, days that's true that is you're talking like tens of thousands of pounds just on logistics alone you know well, good we've got a producer's brain on here producer we have we have to step back um emotionally how we felt like there it's kind of there's some scenes which i think the scenes towards the end where it stops focusing on penguins and it focuses on the icebergs are uh, very arresting images 
um, like they're because the icebergs naturally are white and there's a lot of blowout on the film so mm. they're kind of like these haunting big lumbering shapes in, 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 in the kind of middle distance which I found kind of quite beautiful but I, yeah I was really clock watching on this um, I think the thing is that there was no tension between any of the elements so like no, yeah, and you can there was re- no logic to the order of what we were seeing and things I, like. I would I would propose that mm. this is indicative of a film directed by a composer because when you are a composer mm. you are in charge of producing one element of a countervailing conflict yes of force so like if you if you're a director you have to manage different forces moving against each other so you might have some music that's Mm. quite sentimental but then you might have some action that's quite unsentimental and you're constantly like managing this like this contrast you know chiaroscuro and and when you're the musician all you have to think about is like the music being on one level that's why like classical music and soundtrack music are so different because like soundtrack music has one emotion whereas classical music is like has built up its own kind of internal world I, yeah i mean classical music you is more elaborate and has counterpoints and um has has kind of like threads so i wouldn't say it's completely one tone but i know what you mean i found this film to be one tone yeah, I know it kind of was. The music I felt was a bit more involved because he was sort of an experimental composer, um, and it has the music. Ha- and when you're doing music, you you might not necessarily mind when you're doing that music to kind of um, how you order sequences, especially if you're going for a more experimental kind of vi- dynamic to the music. So it's got the same kind of logic, like oh, we're going to have some penguins here, and then we're going to have a bit of sea ice, and then we're going to have like uh, some grass. It's like okay, and like you, yeah. There was no like central. There, there maybe there was a way to arrange this footage in a way that like focused in on one of the penguins or tried to pull some narrative or tension out of it. Um, but it was just like, oh, I guess anyone who went with a Super 8 camera to, you know, would have probably shot the same stuff. And yeah, it's pretty easy it to make these images when you're mm. working with celluloid. Yeah. Piece of so, yeah, it was fine. It was just yeah, it was it the music is more the m- music's kind of very interesting and nice. It's got like weird little voices in it. Um Yeah, yeah I don't really remember the music fine. actually. The music really I listened wa- to it separately on its oh, own. It's it quite nice. So I yeah. washed over me a bit. Was it sort of a bit like the caretaker, mm. kind of haunty? Yeah, a little bit haunty. And like I so said, this is like weird little voices in it and it's kind of a bit haunting and yeah. Alright, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. That was that was fine, whatever. Fine. Yeah, I think I think you um, like that more than I did that one. Um, but I didn't. I, yeah, I like the music. The film itself, I was just like, I don't see the point. But it was still some nice footage in there that would make a good like. I was thinking like, if you took some mushrooms and had it on a big projector in a dark room, and just decided to have like a really fucking weird trip for half an hour, that would be good. Yeah, but that's a lot of that's caveats in this it? film. It's a lot of caveats, yeah. And you could say about any film, to be honest. Um, Strasbourg, 1518, directed by Jonathan Glazer, director of Under the Skin, the one with Scarlett Johansson, Mm -hmm. where she bangs a bunch of Scottish dudes and then kills them. Um, And also scored by Michael Levy as well. Yeah, scored by Michael Levy, who did the music, you know, um, entered the mainstream uh, as an avant-garde composer very effectively. Uh, and she returns in this. Uh, Glazer Glazer's had quite an interesting career. He did Sexy Beast and a few other films. Yeah, this is this is not really like any of those films. I suppose it has some of the kind of um, drabness of Under the Skin. Um, mm. It's ten minutes long. It's shots of various dancers in various, mostly empty, white-walled rooms. In, in daytime and nighttime cuts to a certain rhythm it gets faster and faster 
Um, it takes its inspiration from an unexplained mania that swept the city of Strasbourg in July 1518. I don't know about that, to be fair. Um, it sounds familiar to like the, I think it happened a couple of times in European history. There was like a dance macabre and there was this kind of like these dancing sicknesses that broke out that might have been linked to like lead poisoning. Beautiful. It was more like people having people having fits in the street, I think. So but obviously the, a bit of like pan- chroniclers. Yeah. A bit of pandemic inspiration from Mr. Glazer. Yeah. yeah. What, do you wish, <laughs> what do you reckon, Aaron? Did this, did, did uh, this get you dancing? No, it's shit. No. <laughs> I, I've, I've, seen a, I've seen a lot of, in one of my past lives, um, I used to program a lot of uh, film, short film, um, and a lot of it was dance film predominantly. Um, and so I've seen probably you know like f- hundreds of dance films like many and this really didn't stand out for me in any way like um it's just some people dancing in a and considering when you look at the credits you know the production team on this it was like 50 people um and it was kind of linked to Sadler's Wells and BBC pumps some money into it which might explain but I was just like uh, the, the components should be interesting it's BBC like Michael man Levy. fucking boring cunts mm boring fucking like you could be funding all kinds of mad shit i mean i don't expect them to because Mm. they're normies but like this was so like like the beat like come on bbc like sad as well as well you're just funding it because of the names involved you know and yeah because like michael levy but michael it didn't even stand out as a piece of michael levy music it was like i I was like really no it's just like this kind of like slightly hardcore tempoed bit of techno that was like boom 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 and it's like I, that, yeah that's she's just phoned it in the dancing was kind of interesting but, but again there was no tension between the pieces it was sp- trying to show this like building up of this dancing tension but you know there's so many really good dancers and films who have been shot really well like Ryan Heffington and you know whatever there's there's a lot of really excellent dance films you can see which kind of maintain a, a interesting tension it's like it was, it was kind of it's like sickly lighting but in there it's just like oh i guess i guess the people can dance um okay i think we, yeah, bo- I think we really both equally didn't like that film i just didn't get it it's like okay fine. i don't think there was anything to um, get dude i think it just was it no, was what it was and it wasn't very much was what it was um okay so that leaves one that, film one film remaining which is uh seven years in may yeah i think Seven Years yeah. in May by Afonso Ukoa, Uchoa. Yeah, who's quite a, uh, a a controversial, I should say, controversial, transgressive Brazilian director who's made some um, quite well received films, um, often with a kind of political slant to them. This is a very political film. Mm. Um, I didn't finish it. Hands up. <laughs> I. Uh, very yeah, bad I, I kind of sizzled out on me. Very bad behavior. Um, it's 42 minutes long. You're going to have to. I, 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 I'll dog it. You're going to have to um, have your hands beaten. I, it's getting a bit uh, SNM now. I love it. I'm, I'm going to be digitally spanked by um, six of the you'll best be, from You'll Earth be Bridget. in a room with some Nazi prostitutes. I'll, I'll oh, see you later. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, just, it's a film. Uh, 42 minutes long so it's kind of <laughs> pushing there <laughs> shall i just talk about the film because i've actually seen it can you talk about the film because you've seen the whole thing i can t- i can t- i have some visceral reactions to it and there's bits i liked and bits i didn't yeah like. all right so i'll do the, i'll do the, the okay. synopsis so basically there's yeah. sort of three parts to this film the first part is uh where the main character is wandering down a road for quite a I long failed. time 
and um, then we see him being uh, brutalized and beaten up and taunted by cops and then we cut to him round a fireside um, recounting the story uh, basically he was mistaken for a drug dealer by police and they were threatening him saying you know if you don't tell us where the drugs are we're gonna beat you up and he didn't he could he didn't have anything he could tell them and then there was a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy as far as i can see whereby this this incident of violence uh from the police kind of led him down a, a dark road of addiction and homelessness mm. um and he recounts this story um to a stranger and the stranger they talk a little bit so the long section of of him just telling this the story continuing the story from what we've seen on screen telling mm. it uh one just one shot him talking and then we cut to a reverse shot of the person he's talking to and they have a bit of an exchange about the police and it's quite in it so it sort of reminded me of this book i was reading a, a few months ago about Raoul Moat. this thing about you know pe- like people who are really against the police so much so they want to like declare war on the police and he's like you know i, I can never forget what they did and the guy's like yeah something's mm. gonna happen to me but you know the poli- and at the end of the film the paul gascoigne turns up with a fishing yeah. rod <laughs> and a rotisserie chicken <laughs> Um, and the, I didn't see that bit. I'm just guessing. Yeah, yeah, no, that no, no it's, 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 don't spoil my uh, <laughs> my flourish. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting to the the rotisserie and the fishing rod. Um, but yeah, um, Moat had no idea, by the way, that Gas- Gaza was there. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, it wasn't didn't figure in his reality. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that happens, and then. Um, yeah, the guy was like the the guy he's talking to basically says like you know the police no one if you go against the police no one will back you like everyone will just watch you be cuffed and taken away and like you know it, when when you take out one cop like a thousand more come after you um, so there's a sort of there's a there's a kind of conflict there between like the instinct towards revenge and the sort of acceptance of suffering which I quite liked. Um, Giving, giving my opinion well, during the synopsis controversial uh, then in act 3 the uh, there's just a, a game played with a group of people including the, the man we've just seen um, where it's a little bit like Duck Duck Goose I don't know if people played that when they were younger uh, but everyone sort of has, stands up or sits down and the man cries out dead alive alive dead just randomly says alive and dead and if he says dead you have to um, crouch down and if he says alive you have to be stood up but because it's in an irregular sequence quite often people stand up just because they hear a word and actually the, the word is just dead you have to stay down and so anyone who gets caught out uh, standing up at the wrong time uh, is expo- expelled from the game and uh, he's left there at the end I quite liked weird mm. actually I quite liked that I just thought about this recently. This I was talking to my friend about trauma and the sort of reptilian brain always only ever really hears the tone in which things are said rather than like what's being said, which I thought was quite a per- yeah. pertinent thought in relationship to this game of dead or alive where you, you sort of respond. But pu- curiously, paradoxically, even though this guy is seen to have been uh, traumatized quite deeply, he plays the game the best. And it's only right at the end when... He, we sort of focus on him and 
then the person says dead repeatedly and he doesn't stand down uh, sort of a moment of defiance mm. but then the, the camera zooms the camera it cuts to a wider shot and there's no one else there so either he imagined it or he's won the game um, yeah. quite neat quite a neat juxtaposition I found the film quite Sad boring but in like a quite a you know but like now talking about it I can kind of mm. I feel like it deserves credit for the thematic links I found it quite serious like very serious yeah um, what did you think of the first 20 minutes before? of it Aaron? first 20 <laughs> fuck you um, I mean I, I saw so the first and second parts of this film basically um, and I think it was what, what I got from the um, the the scene of the beating was actually him uh, in another kind of game was actually his friends reenacting the um, beating um, because he's amongst them and they've got this box of police equipment and they kind of don the clothes of a police officer and it, they quickly transitions and it's a play acting thing. Is that so what he's, part he's one reliving. is? I thought part one was the actual yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not showing uh, the beating because they're not I'm cops, dumb. remember? They're like, get the... It's fine. I didn't watch the whole film. <laughs> Apparently you weren't paying attention. <laughs> but they, which yeah, is they go through this box of... Which is worse. They go through this box of police uh, clothes and they're like trying them on. They're like, hey, you look like a cop and so on. So they're, they're away. He's like, oh, I'm special operations division. Okay, stuff I like, like that. it more so now. I remember that bit yeah, of that special so operations thing. I think I just zoned out. Yeah, I need, yeah, yeah. because it is, it is quite a long kind of... Uh, it's very dark, that scene, and it's lots of kind of like uh, almost ad-lib style conversations that are overlapping each other and you can't really focus on what's happening. And I think it does that intentionally. It's a very murky film. Um, his story is quite affecting um, I suppose I was kind of uh, eating some Kubes and watching that and was just like yeah this is is an interesting story it's it's an interesting story about how police violence brutalises people and um, creates the conditions that it's set out to repel which shows you that the policing isn't often in a lot of these countries really about justice it's about enacting state violence um, regardless of the consequences which is here which is driving him actually to a life of crime and uh, misery um, because he actually then becomes um, uh, my Siri just picked up on the word misery there interesting um, <laughs> Mis- misery. <laughs> misery misery are you feeling misery so yeah so it's a, it's I think the film that this was shown it was shown at a film festival which is a kind of transmedia thing where it's uh, a documentary film festival that encourages kind of um, experimental documentaries. So um, that's why it, there is a kind of performative. Oh, it's a documentary. Art- yeah, kind of. Yeah, it, it says it, documentary. It's yeah. kind of. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a, a well, that makes performative like documentary. Less. Yeah, it's it's not as bold in that sense. So this, I'm I led to believe that this route, this is actually the Raphael guy who's experienced this. Mm, um, so that makes this a bit woke, then, isn't it? Yes, yeah, a bit work, I guess. And it's, it, it's. I mean, I didn't see this end part, which sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, the end part was good. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, as a documentary, it's weird because um, there's there's a long history of um, re-performing acts of trauma, like Joshua Oppenheimer. You know, the act of killing, which does this very well. Oh yeah, I mean, um, even comparing this to that, just yeah, feels feel like you're bringing a prized trout into a room full of. <laughs> Horrible scampy. little fish, scampy. Yeah, I quite like scampy. Of scampy crisps. I actually, really love scampy. Yeah. Um, Shout out to scampy. But there's an element of Joshua Oppenheimer here. But the the radical thing about Joshua Oppenheimer is he's he's not getting victims to uh, reenact um, acts of trauma. He's getting the perpetrators to reenact them, which is why it's so interesting. 
um, you know, he's getting like the, the executioner to reenact uh, yeah. Western style police police interrogations. History you know, told by its victors, but in an interesting mm. way. We could talk about acts of killing for hours. Acts of killings, yeah, we really could. Um, but yeah, anyway, this yeah, it's fine. This I guess you're right. It's kind of woke. It's kind of like political. You know, uh, policing is political and it's violent, um, which I know. Um, uh, I I I don't know what ends it serves the film really. I was like, um, or you think it's like sort of yeah. Ken Loach kind of people must know energy. It did have that, didn't it? Yeah. And this declarative, like, this is a story. Well, it was so like, self-serious. I, there, were no, mm. there, were no, there was no, like, absurdity or humour. It was missing the absurd, even though everything about it was absurd. Yeah. Like, the, the play acting at the beginning, um, it, the fact, very fact that he's walking down the road and there's the occasional car that kind of goes right past him. just zoom mm. past him. And that's, that could be played up for absurdity. And I think... Yeah, I don't know. I, we want I, I a very particular thing from it. films, though, don't we? And I feel like Wind mm. gave us that. <laughs> yeah. I think that tells you everything about our uh, inclination of what, yeah, our our rate, our biases and our rating system is mm. when we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, six-minute silent panning film with, like, some, some uh, statuesque hangings and no <laughs> music. We're like, fuck yes. Um, I'm sure other people would have really... This is very, like, um, film festival fair. Yeah. This film, this last one. Um so it definitely taps into a particular aesthetic of um, and politics of film festivals. Um, you, know, you can go to Berlinale or whatever and see this and be like, okay, yeah. Um, I can't go anywhere now. Personally. It's sad what's happening no, to film festivals digitally. at the moment. All this you could zoom into... People like yeah, doing, watching scheduled streams and buying passes and stuff to online. It's just I wanna, fucking depressing. Not I that we get invited to film festivals. <laughs> Bad screen, good screen. Now all screens are bad screen, I think is what we realise. Yeah. Um, all screen. It's a forever bad screen that stretches to the horizon. I've got to go soon, man. Have you? Okay, yeah, well, got, that's the perfect place to wrap it up, about really. Dog. Um, woof, woof. Woof, woof. Uh, yeah, so we, I think we were barking up the wrong tree <laughs> <laughs> with these films. Maybe I... Yeah, there was, there was stuff to like, there was stuff to dislike. I think Wind was the apogee for me. Of, of short film excellence. Should we give it an award? Um, the MoobTube Awards, short of the year. The MoobTube came out the in the palm, 90s. What's like the palm? What other kind of palms can you have? There's the a palm, palm door. <laughs> the palm bore. Palm bore. It was our favourite boring bore. film. Yeah. It was our favourite boring film. So let's we award it. Marcelo Vanni, who's not really made any other films since. Yeah, fuck him, man. Why hasn't he made any other films? He's clearly really good. I hate that kind of like self satisfied. I said what I need to say. Come on, man. Blah. He made a film called Badello, which is similar to this okay, film. Cool. It reenacts a painting um, in this context in Belgium, I think, or something. But hard to find, actually, but Caragago will probably uh, yield up. My the ratio fruit. on Caragago is very. That's the one thing lockdown has helped with. My Caragago ratio is now. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I got I'm out my, of the red. Oh, yeah, the red. I, I, got, I got kicked from Caragago for, for uh, ratioing myself. It's, you know, it's made it a lot. They've made it a lot easier now to stay. But they're, they're they? no, this was like 10 years ago though, so. so I can't bring you back you're gone I don't want to be back in the fold I want to yeah, that's why I've got Mubi that's all I need now <laughs> it's true actually a lot of things have made their way from Karagar to Mubi a lot of things that were yeah. available on Karagar are now the shit shoot um, so, yeah. anyway so yeah thanks for listening um, I don't know if we'll do this kind of format again but we might when there's a sufficient crop of films that's good yeah 
um, keep it light and easy. We are coming up very close to our 25th anniversary. By yes. which I mean our 25th episode. Because um, it was 25 years. I mean, I, I am 25 <laughs> years old. So soon after my womb release, I began podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> the, the early episodes are highly radical yeah, in the podcast realm. Um, but so we, we're going to announce a kind of uh, special issue special episode of it you know which is gonna be 25 um with special guests and a slightly unique format but um until then stay tuned um stay indoors stay happy stay stay real stay real bye